Let's open up to Leviticus 23. We are continuing our uh, series on the feast, and tonight we are actually on the seventh feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of... Actually, it's called... This one's another one of those that's called uh, two or three different names. It's the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, um, the Feast of Ingathering. I mean, it's, it's a, there's a lot of different names um, in the scriptures for this one. But just real quick, let's go... We'll just have just like a little a little re, uh, rewind of the other ones just real quick because they all tie in together. They all are pictures of, um, you know, pictures of, of the different things that God wanted to do. Remember one of the words that he used here in Leviticus was that he said that, that it was a, that these feasts were like a, was like a dress rehearsal. And it was like a, uh, it was, you know, like practice for what was going to happen. And one of the statements that we've talked about is that, um, and I heard another minister use this again today. He said that, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, the New Testament is concealed. And in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. And that's really what it is. Because we can see, once we start unpacking these, and once we start looking and, and digging into these feasts, we start seeing things in the New Testament. We start seeing the New Covenant, you know, unveiled and, and revealed to us. So, um, you know, so we started... Uh, in Leviticus 23 here, and actually, we'll, let's just read the first couple of verses here because these, these are speak to us and kind of sets the stage. In Leviticus 23, uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be a holy convocation, even these are my feasts. And, you know, so one of the main things we talked about... Uh, one of the first things we talked about was that, that they were his feasts. They weren't just Israel's feasts because a lot of times we think of these and people call these the Feast of Israel, but really he said these were his feasts. And the, the reason that that's important is because if, if they were only Israel's feasts, then they wouldn't have any significance for us, per se. Uh, but they are, the Bible says they are his feasts. So, you know, so that, that is the first thing. And another one, it says that, you know, and he tells throughout here, he tells us that, that these are things that we are to, to keep continually. It's not something that we're just to forget, but that we're to, to continually keep throughout the years and, uh, and to meditate on. Now, and we've, we've looked at, there were seven, uh, seven different ones specifically that he pointed out here. There's actually like two more, and, and we may touch on them um, maybe next week. Um, and at the end, I, I want to talk to you about one thing about one thing that I had on my heart to do, and see if you guys would like to to do that. Um, but so next week we may touch on the the feast of Purim and and then uh, Hanukkah. Those two feasts they they aren't included in these seven, but they are feasts of the Lord and and things that you know just being that we're talking about the feast that I thought might be good information to you. But he started out and he and here was the there was if you remember there's like two different divisions. There were the spring feast and the fall feast. The spring feast were the were the three spring feasts were the first one was Passover, of course, which reminded us and and most of these feasts uh, he you know he put um, he would say you know I want you to do this and I want and this is why I want you to do it I want because I want you to remember what happened here and the feast of Passover of course we all know we're very familiar with that it was it was to be a reminder for Israel about how he delivered them out of Egypt you know. The very first Passover was was when they were still in bondage, and that they were in Egypt, and um, you know how how he, he he gave them very specific directions about killing the Passover lamb and all and everything that that constituted, and 
and all the symbolism in that and and then you know to put the blood on the doorpost and and the death angel would pass over and and you know of course that's that's where the name comes from that you know if, the, if they had the blood on the doorpost the death angel would pass over and so therefore the name Passover you know that's basically where that name came from um, you know so so we have um, you know we have the feast of Passover which you know the first three feasts we we talked about how that they were uh, they were fulfilled or completed by Jesus Himself. Uh, Passover, of course, being that Jesus became our Passover Lamb for us, and because after the after the, the uh, after Jesus sacrificed after the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, never again did the did the uh, did the priest have to offer sacrifices for God to accept. And we know that they did do that for like for like forty more years, but but you know after the temple was destroyed. Um, up until up until now, there, there hasn't been you know animals sacrificed for God to, to accept the you know to cover the sins. And the reason being was because Jesus became our Passover Lamb. You know you you see scriptures in Revelation in different places that said that He was the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. You know so even before the earth was even created. Jesus was that that Passover lamb for us. He became our Passover lamb. So the feast of Passover is is our redemption and Jesus became that that perfect Passover lamb, you know, when he came to the earth and he died for us. Then the second one was the feast of unleavened bread and these three, you know, went hand in hand one w- with the other. And of course the feast of unleavened bread was a feast that uh, it was connected with that Passover because it was really to put into remembrance how they had to leave Egypt in a hurry. And for us, it was a picture of um, it was a picture of getting sin out of our life, and you know, and cleansing. And as a matter of fact, that's really where, uh, like, we all we all use the term spring cleaning, and how in the spring we clean our house out and clean you know dust in the corners that never get dusted, and and get all the cobwebs off that you know that we leave all year long and different things like that. Well, where that came from, and really the the origin behind that, I mean, kind of the principle behind that, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because during that feast, the time leading up to that, they would the the all of Israel would literally go through the house and sweep every corner and everything to make sure that they were no leaven whatsoever in the house. Leaven being, you know, in the Bible, leaven being a picture of either uh, mainly of pride or of sin. You can use both of those examples, but. But it was a picture of us cleaning, cleansing ourselves of sin, cleansing ourselves of, of everything, you know, ungodly, so to speak. And of course, we know that what that picture, what's that, what that is a picture of, is when Jesus, after he, after he was sacrificed on the cross, he went to hell to pay for our sins. And so the he, it, the the feast of unleavened bread was satisfied. It was sanctification. It's a picture of our sanctification. But it was paid. Jesus Jesus became the fulfillment of that Feast of Unleavened Bread because he paid for every sin and, and he paid the price for sin. So therefore, the, all of the sin, all the leaven, uh, from when God sees us, is taken care of because of the blood. When Jesus sees us, the blood covers that. So that was fulfilled on, on you know, during his burial and the time that he was, um, you know, in hell or in Hades. Uh, the third one was the, first, the Feast of first fruits, and it was a barley feast. It was the first harvest of any of any of the harvest, it was the winter. The winter crop was barley, and they they brought the first fruits. And what the, and first fruits was a picture of the very first of something. 
and it was the very first harvest that came in that time in that year uh, for, for that season. And of course, what that is a picture of is resurrection. And the, the Bible says that Jesus is the first fruit of many brethren to be resurrected or to, to be to be risen from the dead. So Jesus fulfilled that in his resurrection. Then 50 days after after the feast of first fruit, uh, we come to the feast of weeks or what we call Pentecost. And Pentecost, of course, was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The very first Pentecost being in Exodus when God gave Moses the, the, the law. And, and, of course, when he gave him the law, he came down. And that's when, you know, Moses, when they, when they, sac- or when they made a, go- a, a molten calf there out of gold and started worshiping that. And Moses got mad and threw the tablets down. And, and you know, because the people had already broken the law. It hadn't even been no time, you know. And... and um, and, you know, so, so on that day, 3,000 people died. And then you fast forward to the New Covenant when the Holy Spirit was poured out, when the day of, full, when the day of Pentecost had come, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and the Bible says that 3,000 men were born again that day. So it contrasts, you know, the law, 3,000 people died. The New Covenant, the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people were born again. So it shows you the difference between life and death between the covenants. And so the Feast of Pentecost was, of course, fulfilled, and is a picture of us for the Holy Spirit. You know, the Passover was our redemption. Pentecost was uh, our was the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit. And tonight, what we're going to look at in the in the Feast of Booths, uh, Feast of Tabernacle, and it's a picture it's a picture of our resurrection or our uh, you know uh, resurrected bodies, so to speak. And, and we'll and we'll discuss that. But but the, there were three feasts that <clears throat> three feasts that the Lord said He told them that that every male would have to go to Jerusalem to to celebrate, and that was the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, which is what we'll look at tonight. Actually, the Feast of Tabernacles that we'll see tonight is the only feast that, that um, both Jew and Gentile take part in. Um, everybody, is, everybody is invited to the Feast of Tabernacles, and, uh, and we'll explain that, and, and you'll see that here in just a minute. But that was the three fall feasts, and then there was 50-day period, and then Pentecost, and then then there was a span of time of, of a few months, and we come to the fall feast. And the last couple of weeks we've looked at that. The first one being the feast of trumpets, the feast of, the feast of trumpets being unique in that uh, in that you know it, it was one that didn't really the feast of trumpets really didn't have a um, it didn't have something to tell them to remember. It was just a day that the Lord said today is the day the, the trumpet will be blown. And we, we went into depth about that, about how that is a picture of the rapture of the church. So these, I, I believe, and, and, you know, mo- and a, lot of, a lot of scholars believe this too. Some have different opinions, but, but I believe these last three feasts are feasts that are yet to be fully fulfilled. Now, all of these feasts, now listen, all of these feasts, uh, there are multi-points in those. In other words, you know, you can still look at some of them and say, you know, that may not have been fulfilled yet, or even as we look at these last three, you can say, well, this has been fulfilled and that's been fulfilled, parts of it. But the full fulfillment, I believe, will come at the Feast of Trumpets will be at the rapture of the church. And, and what the Feast of Trumpets was really was a, was a day when the trumpets would be blown, but really what it was was a, was a call to tell them to get ready because the Day of Atonement's coming. You know, it was a day when, when everybody knew, hey, when the Feast of Trumpets blown, you have a 10-day, it was actually called the 10 Days of Awe, A-W-E, the 10 Days of Awe, where, where they, they cleansed themselves for 10 days and they got everything in their life right and they, they repented of sin. They, they were as nice as they could be to everybody because they knew that in 10 days, or, or really 8 days by the time the, the Feast were 
you know, the way that the numbering went. But they knew just in a matter of a week or so that the Day of Atonement was coming. And what the Day of Atonement, you know, what the Day of Atonement is, uh, the Day of Atonement was a time of repentance. It was a solemn day. It was a day that, uh, that they knew the day, of, the day of Atonement was a day that God would, in the, in the Jewish tradition, they believed that the Day of Atonement was a day when God would determine whether you were forgiven or not forgiven. That, that judgment was, was passed over or judgment was passed on you, you know, and, and it would set the tone for the rest of that year. And, you know, and, and we talked about how that uh, in Jewish tradition, they believed that there were three books in heaven. They were the book of the righteous, they were the book of the unrighteous, and then there was the book of the in-betweens. And that day of awe, or that week of awe, that was the day that the people that was in the in-between book, they had to decide which way they were going to go. And on the Day of Atonement, they felt, you know, and of course the Day of Atonement was the holiest day of the year, and we, we looked at this last week, it was the holiest day of the year because it was the only day that the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. It was the one day a year that he could go in and offer blood and put blood on the mercy seat so that when God looked down, you know, because I, I didn't even really touch base with this last week, but really if you think about it, the Ark of the Covenant, during this time, all the Ark of the Covenant had in it was the Ten Commandments. And they were the, the and actually God told him to put the broken commandments in there, the, the tablets that he broke. And he put those he put those in the in the in the Ark of the Covenant. And and what it was, what the mercy seat was laid on top of it, and the blood, the, the priest would go in, the priest would go in and he would he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And the reason he would do that is so when God looks down, and of course you had the two cherubim that were that were part of the ark that was that was over the ark, and they had their wings stretched out, and they were looking down on the mercy seat. But what that was a picture of is when God looked down, instead of seeing the broken law, what did he see? He saw the blood. He saw the blood of the sacrifice, the blood of the animals, the bull that the priest would come in that one day a year and put on the put on the mercy seat, sprinkle on the mercy seat. And of course we know that in heaven, when Jesus sacrificed, when Jesus offered his body on the cross and he died, you remember one of the times, was it Mary that, that came to him and, and when she realized it was Jesus, what did Jesus tell her? He said, don't touch me because I haven't, I haven't been to my father yet. And what he was saying is I haven't offered the blood yet as a sacrifice and if she had touched him, he would have become unclean. So he told, me, so he told her, don't touch me, you know, don't touch me yet because I haven't been to the Father. But when he went to the Father, just, I mean, just a couple chapters later, he went to the Father, and, you know, he went to the Father and offered his blood, and God accepted that blood. The next, when he shows up to his disciples, what did he tell Thomas? Put your, put your hand in my finger. Thrust your hand in my, or put your finger in, in, my, in the hole in my wrist. Thrust your hand in my side. So see, it totally changed. Because now his sacrifice had been offered, and now, now it was accepted, so now people could touch him. You know, I mean, so so that that was the the clear picture of the Day of Atonement that Jesus became our sacrament. He became our the the Lamb, and and what the Day of Atonement is now. The Day of Atonement we touched on this just a little bit last week at the very end. But the Day of Atonement, the picture of that that is yet to be fulfilled, is the what I believe will be the seven year tribulation period because the Day of Atonement is the day of the judgment of the Lord. It's the day that the Lord's judgment will be poured out, and and He still owes. The, the Jewish people, he still owes them one week of judgment. From, and you can go back and study that in Daniel and, and uh, 
That's one of the things I want to talk to you about. I'm thinking about, I'll just go ahead and throw this out there, but I'm thinking about, because I've had so many questions about the rapture and about the tribulation period. Um, if, you guys, if you guys are interested, the next couple of weeks, I'd really like to do a teaching on the rapture, do a teaching on the tribulation period, and do a teaching on the millennial reign. And because, because all three of these, those are three things that are yet to come, and, and I've had so many questions about that. If you guys are interested and would like to hear that. I mean, I, I think, how many of y'all would like to hear some teaching on that? So, so, we'll, so, so maybe the next couple of weeks. Um, next week we'll probably, we'll probably touch on uh, Purim and, and the uh, Hanukkah and, and kind of wrap up our, our thing on the, you know, our whole series on the feast. But then we'll start, we'll start and we'll teach on, um, you know, teach on the rapture. I mean, the scriptures on the rapture and show you what the, what the Word says about it. And then on the, the tribulation period... And, and then the millennial reign. And that is a very interesting man. That's an incredible study. So, um, so that's that's what we'll that's what we'll plan on doing. So the day of atonement, though, that's yet to be fulfilled, will be the seven year tribulation period because God still owes that that judgment to the people that don't believe. Because really, the tribulation period is the tribulation period was not designed for us for believers. The tribulation period is it was or you know is is going to be for those that don't believe because believers that believe. And we're, that are looking for the coming of the Lord will be raptured, and then the tribulation period will start, and you know that's when the the day of atonement will be fulfilled. Now, so that brings us to the seventh feast, which is tonight. That's a long introduction, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> the feast of tabernacles. So let's look here in Leviticus 23, and we'll just start in verse 30, uh, 39. And so we are in the month of of uh, Tisera, and you know the the. Uh, the Feast of Trumpets was on the first day. Um, then the, the Day of Atonement was on the tenth day. And then now, here we come, here we come to, the, uh, to the Feast of Trumpets. And this is where we pick up here. And it says this in verse 39. This is Leviticus 23, verse 39. It says, Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye shall have gathered in the fruit of the land. Now notice, remember the very first one we talked about. Uh, the very or the very the, the feast of first fruits. It was the barley feast, and then Pentecost was actually the wheat. Uh, it was the the wheat feast that celebrated the wheat feast. Now you fast forward all the way to the very last festival, the very last feast that God says, and He says after you've gathered in all of the fruit. So this is a picture. Uh, the millenni- or the uh, the feast of tabernacles is is a feast that that celebrates the very last harvest of the year, which is fruit which is the fruit of the land. So he says, So after you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord for seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. So actually, he says you'll keep it seven days, but but it's actually an eight-day festival. There's a a Sabbath on the first day, and then there's a Sabbath on the eighth day. So it's it's really an eight-day festival. There'll be celebration for seven days, and then the eighth day will be another solemn day. Um, and he says in verse 40, And you shall take you on the first, on the first day, or the, the first day of the feast, the, the bows of, the, of, got, of got, uh, goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the, and the bows of thick trees, and of the willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast unto the Lord seven days in the, in the year. It shall be a, for a statue forever, in your generations, you shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths seven days. All that, all that are Israelite uh, born shall dwell in booths. 
that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths which I, when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. All right, so here's, here was what the Feast of Booths was. It was, a, it was a day that they said that they uh, celebrated or remembered how God kept them alive in the wilderness for 40 years. And what they would do, what he told them they would do, they, they were to build booths or, you know, uh, the word booth and the word tabernacle are pretty similar in the, in the Old Testament. And so when you see, because see, a lot of times when we think of tabernacle, we think of a church. But really, when the word tabernacle in the Old Testament, and as far as this particular word that, that's translated tabernacle, um, it could also be translated booth. And, and what it is is a three-sided, a three-sided booth. And in Leviticus, uh, or in uh, Deuteronomy, he gives specific directions. And I'm not going to get in all the details because there's, I mean, there's all kinds of sacrifices that take place. There's actually, in this festival, they actually sacrifice like 70 bulls. You know, during this week, it's incredible. I mean, they, you know, this, I, it just blows me away the number of animals that were sacrificed in the year and the children of Israel. I mean, it's amazing. Um, but that's a whole other story. But anyway, so he told them that they would, they would, they were to come out of their houses, and they were to, they were to build these temporary shelters, and it was to be big enough for you and your family. So, so a family of two. For example, if it was just you and your wife, you would have kind of a, a booth that was big enough for you and your wife. You would have a table where a table could be set up. And, and now some people, uh, through the years it's changed, but some people, because uh, they still celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles in Israel, in Jerusalem. Um, but, but some people stayed in it for seven days. They, stayed, they camped outside for seven days. Other people would go out and eat in them and then maybe sleep inside, especially if the weather was bad. They would still go back inside to sleep. Different people did different things with that. But it was big enough for, for, for you and your family to sit in, to lay, to lay down in, and, but it was just an open booth. It had three sides to it. One side was open. The sides could not be, you couldn't put like plywood up. They had to be, uh, they had to be made of, of material that the wind could blow through. So it had to be kind of like an open, an open uh, booth type thing that the wind could blow through because God wanted to remind them that in the wilderness for 40 years, they were out in the wilderness, and God took care of them. They, they didn't have a permanent home. That they were, it was a, it was a booth or a, a tent, so to speak, and they, they were just out there, and, and God took care of them. The roof had to be, the roof was usually like a thatch roof, maybe like of uh, uh, tree limbs and different things like that. But, but He said that the roof of it couldn't be solid either. That they had to be able to see through the roof so that they could see the stars, and also so that they could see Him. When they look up and see the stars, they know that God's looking down on them. And so this, this is a temporary boost. Now, in, in Jerusalem today, if you ever see pictures, I mean, it's a pretty cool thing. If, if you Google Feast of Tabernacles, um, you'll see that, man, this is like a big party. I mean, and he said, for seven days, you'll celebrate. You know, the feasts are over, the, the feast of the fruit is in, or the harvest of the fruit is in, and now it's time to celebrate what God has done this year. So for seven days... They celebrate, they, and he gave them instructions to take, and there's names for all this, but man, I, I'm, I'm horrible with names. With, with all these, some of these are hard names to talk about. But, there, but he told them, he gave them very specific directions to take three different branches. They would take the willow branch, they would take the palm branch, and they would take a, uh, 
the, the willow, which like the what we would call the weeping willow, you know, that, that type, the, the palm branch, and then the, uh, oh, what was the other one? Um, let me see if I've got that written down. I thought uh, the willow, the palm. Oh, man, that don't sound, I can't remember what the third one was. Um, it'll come to me. But anyway, they would take the three, the three, the three palms or the three branches and put them together, and then they would take this fruit that looked like a lemon, but it was a, uh, it was like the size of a lemon, but it was real rough and had had like grooves in it, and it was more bitter, actually more bitter than a lemon. And they would take that fruit and tie onto this thing, and each person would have one of these that they would hold up, and every day, every day they would wave it before the Lord. They would and they would wave it in six directions. They would go north, south, east, and west, and then above them and beneath them. And what that was a picture of, they were celebrating that God was all the way around them. That no matter what direction they turned, up, down, east, west, north, south, that every day they celebrated with this with these things and they would with these with this group of branches and they, they waved them before the Lord as a celebration. And like I said, and, and this was a uh, very celebratory feast because you would invite friends to come over. You would invite the, the people from the or from your from your church to come over, you know, the, from the synagogue, from uh, your friends to come over and eat with you. And they believed, the Jewish people believed that there were seven uh, the seven seven main patriarchs that was always that would always show up to the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, David, Moses and Elijah, they they thought that those seven would always show up in the at the at the feast at the feast of Tabernacles. So they celebrated with them, and each one of them actually each one of them celebrated and and uh, symbolized a different a different part of it. Now there was all kinds of I, I'm just going to give you one tonight, but there was all kinds of different things that happened in the feast of um, in the feast of Tabernacles. One of them was a was like a purification of water, and what would happen? The high priest would come out every day. And he would take a gold water pot, and he would come out of the temple, and he would walk down. He would walk down the road down to the pole, down to the pool of Shalom, and he would fill this water bucket up with water. And as he came down, uh, and as he when he came out of the temple, everybody would have their 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 branches and their things that they weighed before the Lord, and they would follow him. Now you can imagine this was a feast where everybody had to show up in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was packed. The streets were packed. And as the priest would walk down to fill this water, this this golden water jug up with water, all these people would would follow him, and they would they would recite what they, what's called the Hallelujah, uh, the Hallelujah Psalms, and it's Psalm one thirteen through Psalm one eighteen, and we won't take the time to read them tonight, but but they that was the Psalms that they would that they would recite as they walked down to get this water. He did this every day of the festival. He'd go down and, and get, get water. He would do this in the, in the afternoons, I believe it was. He would go down and get water. He would bring it back up. And for six days, the first six days, he would come back into the temple and walk one time, make one circle around the inside of the temple and pour out the water on the altar, on the, on the altar, I mean on the, uh, on the brazen altar, yeah, where the sacrifices were offered. And as he did that, he cried out. See, because what this, what this was, this was a... This was not only a feast to remember of what, what, where they had come from, but it was also a, call, a feast that they, that they called on the Lord to prepare them for the next year. 
And the, the eighth day, which we'll talk about in just a minute, is, is a, a perfect picture of that. But he would pour the priest, or he, the priest would pour the water out, and as he was pouring it out, he would be calling out, Lord, you know, you alone can bring the water from the, from the sky. You alone can bring the rain. You know, so, so he was calling out for the rain to come so that, so that the harvest for the next year could, you know, could be, could, could, would be a good harvest. So he would do this for six days. On the seventh day, the last day of the feast, he would, he did this same ceremony. He went down to the pool of Shalom, got it, you know, in his gold, uh, bucket, got his water. But when he came back in the temple this time, he walked around it seven times. And he made seven circles. And as he made seven circles on the seventh time, and this, this kind of ended the, the ceremony. It was right before, right before dusk. So it, you know, right at, right at the end of the day. And as he was pouring the water out, he would cry out and ask for the Lord, you know, to bless the water, to bless the rain, and different things like that. Now, the interesting thing, Jesus always had a way of um, showing up and doing things right at the right time, right? If you'll turn to John chapter 7, John chapter 7, you'll see this. Now, we, we've, we've quoted this scripture many times, but hopefully now, hopefully this will kind of kind of put a whole other emphasis on this scripture for you. Because remember now, the high priest at, the, at this very time, at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, he's made, this, he's made seven trips around the, around the, the inside of the, the, uh, the temple there, and, he's, and he stands up and he's pouring the water out on the, on the altar, and he's, you know, and he's crying out for God for, the, for water, and he's crying out for God for the rain, and, and you know, for God to bless these things. And most people, say, most people say that Jesus did this at the very time just the same, the same way, it was the same way that when, um, you know, when Jesus was, was uh, you know, hanging on the cross, right, right when he died, you know, the veil ripped. You know, was, the timing was perfect in that, you know. And here's kind of the same thing. The same way as the priest is pouring out the water and calling out to God for, for mercy and for help and with the rain and the water and all this. At the very time that he was doing that, in John 7, verse 37, the Bible tells us this. In the last day, that great day of the feast, so this would be the Feast of the Tabernacles. In the last day, this is exactly when the priest is pouring the water on the, on the altar, fin- making an end to the, to the Feast of Tabernacles, ca- calling out to God to, you know, for, the, for the rain, for the water, and everything. It says, Jesus stood and he cried. In other words, he stood in the midst. He, he, he was probably right there in the temple area. He stood up and he cried and he said this, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. You know, he that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And then it goes on to say, many of the people, therefore, when they heard this, said of of, of a truth, this man is a... In other words, you know, they, they said, man, he's calling this out right when, right when the high priest is doing this. And, and many people got upset with him. And it says, others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? And, you know, and, and they get in this big argument again about Jesus. But it was right at the same time that this was being fulfilled. What Jesus was telling them was this. I, I am the fulfillment of this. <laughs> you know, he was telling them, what, what you're celebrating is me. And, you know, and of course some accepted, some didn't. And, you know, so, so, uh, and then on the eighth day, now what, one of the things that they do 
And, and man, I'm telling you, they're getting, this is just a complete overview. This, I'm just scratching the surface on these things. They, they read, they, they would take, uh, now this was really interesting because uh, I was listening to Perry Stone today about this, and he was saying, and I hadn't really noticed this before, you know, there's so many, so many things about uh, like the 42 months, three and a half years. If you think, you know, because the tribulation period is, is split into two three and a half year periods. If you think about Jesus' ministry, it was three and a half years. Here in the in in this in the uh, during this time, they would read the the Torah, which was the first five books of the Bible. They would read it. Uh, they would read it through as a you know kind of as a congregation and as a people. They would read it through, and they would have other things that they would do, and they had to make sure that certain they had to make sure that certain uh, scriptures were read on certain days like the full moon days or the new moon days or a, a feast day. So actually it took them three and a half years to read through the Torah one time because of the, because of the way they had to wait on the, the certain things. So every, so every two years, every seven years, they would, they, you know, it would fall on this feast and, and they would, on the eighth day of the feast would be the day that they ended the Torah reading and that they celebrated starting the new Torah reading. And, and so here, Jesus, as he stood and cried, you know, he, he was saying, man, I, I'm here to fulfill this. You know, and, 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 and people, some people accepted and some people didn't. But what, but what the feast and, and what this was, was this. The picture that we look at is this. This is a picture of what, what we say is what the, the picture of the millennial reign that'll be, that'll be fulfilled on the millennial reign because the millennial reign will be when uh, Jesus comes in tabernacles with his people again. Now, he's living on the inside of us now, but, but during the millennial reign is when he'll come and he'll make his house, he'll make his throne among his people in the millennial reign. Now, you think about this, because when Jesus, the Mount of Transfiguration, this is another example I'll give you. The Mount of Transfiguration, you remember Peter, John, and uh, Peter, James, and John, they went with Jesus up on the hill, and of course, they did their famous thing, what they always did, they went to sleep. And, you know, it seems like they were always going to sleep on Jesus, you know. And Jesus comes and wakes them up. And what, what do they see? When they wake up, what do they see? They see Moses, they see Elijah, and they see Jesus transformed. And, you know, what's the first thing that they said? The first thing Peter said was this, Well, I see Moses and Elijah. That's not what he said. What, the first thing he said is this, Should we build three booths? Should we build three tabernacles? In other words, what, what that was a picture of, and most people agree, that th this must have happened here on the Feast of Tabernacles because that's the very first thing that was on his mind. Should we build three tabernacles so that you guys would have a place to hang out with us here? He, he, really, he thought, that the, he thought that, the, that the resurrection had happened because here Moses and Elijah was. Jesus had a brand new body, and the first thing he thinks of is, let's build a tabernacle, let's build the booths, for you to stay in here. You know, so this, so that the, the Mount of Transfiguration probably happened on the Feast of Tabernacles because that was what was on his mind. You know, so it's little things like that, man, that, you, that just blows you away, I mean, when you think about it. Now, think about this. <clears throat> um, as, we, as, we, as we look at that, because see, the, one of the things that the Feast of, the booth of, the feast of Tabernacles represents is resurrection. And one of the and at the end of the tribulation period, 
there'll be a res- there'll be another resurrection, and what that resurrection will be will be all of the people that died during the tribulation period. The Bible says in Revelation 20, I believe it is, that they will be resurrected and they'll enter into the millennial and help rule and reign in the millennial. So the feast of the feast of tabernacles is a picture of the resurrection. It's a picture of, of our new resurrection. And, and what's going to happen at the, feast of, at the millennial reign is that we, will, that we will rule and reign for a thousand years with no, uh, with no evil influence, so to speak. You know, because Satan will be bound. Jesus will be there. The, the, you know, the light will be all glorious and, and you know, there will be no evil. And we'll be ruling and reigning for a thousand years with Jesus. And, you know, so this is the perfect picture of that. Um, let me, uh, you know, because, uh, man, I don't even have time. I'll get, in, I'll get into this other thing next week because that will give me time to do that. So, so when we, as we come to the end of the, the Feast of Tabernacles, you know, the Feast of Booths, it was, like we said, it was, a, it was the, the, last, the last one. It was the, that where they would, uh, uh, Micah, in the Scripture, in Micah, it says this, talking about the millennial reign. And this just kind of helps us to helps us to see this in Micah. He prophesies this. He says, "You will judge between many people and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plow spears and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken." That was Micah prophesying about the millennial reign. And and that is exactly what you know what uh, what this what this represents in the fact that that it's it's a day when when everybody will be in their own place everybody will be in their own house there'll be no wars there'll be no no you know nation against nation but it'll be it'll all it's all going to be a wondrous time just just like really going back to the way God designed the Garden of Eden because it's going to be it's going to be a perfect situation a perfect time so. Uh, so that's just a little bit about the Feast of, of, of Tabernacles and just the, the beautiful picture that it represents. I encourage you to go home and um, go home and Google the Feast of Tabernacles and just look at some of the booths that they because they still celebrate it even today in Jerusalem and there's some of them they, they do some beautiful some beautiful things with those booths that that you know but they still today they will still the Jewish people will still come out. And they'll they'll eat out there in the booths, and some of them even sleep out there. Some of them even even take it to, you know, where they stay outside for seven days, and they celebrate and they they rejoice and they they celebrate the goodness of God and everything that He's done that year, and praying for the next year to come in, and uh, and you know just just have a wonderful time celebrating that. And then the eighth day, you know, is is they after the seven days of celebration, it says the eighth day is a solemn day because then they start all over again. And they start believing God and start reading from Genesis again and, and you know, go from the very beginning. So, so that is a, just a touch of the Feast of Tabernacles. Any questions on that? Or did, I mean, I, I didn't, really this one, I didn't really even go in depth because there's so much, there's so much in this one that, that uh, there's so many different things that they do. And, man, you, you really had to dig down deep and get some of this stuff. And I, I didn't want to confuse, confuse you too bad because you could really get bogged down into a lot of the logistics of it. But, uh, so I just gave you one or two little things that, to show you the, the significance of it and the power of it. But uh, any questions or anything? Mike?
Our resurrected bodies. Yep. Because, you know, you think when Jesus, when Jesus stood before his disciples that one day, he said, uh, he said, you know, like most of the time we say things like flesh and blood. You know, like, like you know, here's the flesh and blood or whatever. You know, but, but when Jesus stood before him, he said, he didn't, say, he didn't say flesh and blood. He said flesh and bone. Because, because the blood is what is the human side of it. You know, but so he was. So, so what that is? It just, just that is a picture of the resurrected body. The, you know, what we'll be like. Now, most people. Now, there's not a lot of scriptures that that back that up, as far as you know. I've heard some people talk about. I mean, you know, talk about some weird things from you know what what what's, what we will be able to do, but but you know, you think about Jesus. After he was resurrected, you know, he was able to walk through walls, and he he would just show up wherever he wanted to be. He was there, you know, and. Uh, so that's it's, that's an interesting thought to get into to to think that you know we'll be able to travel at the speed of thought you know be wherever we want to be and and uh, you know be able to and the, we'll have the limitations of this world like we have you know so. I mean, I, I would think so. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, we don't we don't have a lot of scripture that that backs that talks about that, you know. But um, but there are some though, and the precedence is Jesus. So <laughs> you know what he showed us. I mean, because we'll be like him. I mean, you know that that's a picture of what we'll be like. So, yep, interesting stuff. All right, everybody, good. Well, then next week we'll finish up. We'll do kind of a recap and, and finish up. I've got some really cool things to, to show you and to, to talk to you about, about uh, how God is preparing the land of Israel right now for the end days, for the end times. And, uh, you know, so, so it's some really cool things that we'll talk about next week. And we'll talk about the Feast of Purim, which is like the whole story of Ruth and different things, and then uh, Hanukkah and, and, and the, the, those, those two feasts as well. All right, well, let me pray for you, and then we'll, we'll go. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for the time tonight. Thank you for the word. And we just pray your blessings, Father, on each one as we go our way this week. Keep us safe in the rain, Father, as we travel home and, and the rest of this week. And we just thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.